welcome. Welcome. Uh, I'm Emily Walborn. I'm Nako Narder. And this is, this is Half Asian, Half, Asian, half, half hour. hour. There you go. It's yeah. Improving every time. That's the landing. <laughs> this episode is kicking off a very exciting series that we're going to be doing for the next few weeks for the Asian American International Film Fest 43. We're going to be watching features, shorts, um, episodic programming, and talking about them on the pod. So it's going to be a a very exciting few weeks ahead of us. Um, You guys are in for a real treat. Um, We're kicking things off with the short film Becoming Eddie. Uh, And it is about a Korean-American boy in the 1980s who struggles to fit in with his classmates. So he makes the only logical wish to become America's most famous foul-mouthed comedian. (laughs) And you're just going to have to watch to find out what that means. Exactly. We won't get too much into detail, but it's a lot of cute kids. uh, Kids cursing. We got um, smelly lunch, got the Asian-American staple. The classic kimchi to school. We've, we've got Asian parents. We've got white teachers. We've got Jewish kids being racist at school. <laughs> we got very sweet friends who are always there, no matter what curse you get put on you. Mm-hmm. We have um, ancestors. <laughs> uh, we got some very fun 80s costumes. Yes. It's a great time. So if you want to check this out, you can see it uh, on Vimeo or you can see it on the LA Short Festival's YouTube page. Um, you can also go to their Instagram, which is Becoming Eddie, or their Twitter, Becoming Eddie Film. And you can find all the latest information on it there. Um, and we're going to jump into our interview with the writer and producer at Lee as well as the director, Leelon Bowden. And um, before we do that, we did get some exciting news from them after the interview that they said we could share with everybody. They're in development with Sony to turn it into a, a full series for streaming services. So that's very exciting news. I, uh, I wish yeah. them the best. I hope that it, uh, it all works out because I'm really excited to see that. Yeah, so go watch the short and then come back and listen to this episode. And get some some BTS from the creators. Welcome (laughs) to a very special episode of Half Asian Half Hour. Uh, I'm Emily Walborn. I'm Nako Narder. And with us today, we have some very special guests. Uh, we have actor, director, comedian, uh, Andy Mack series regular, director of the short film Becoming Eddie, Leelon Bowden. And we also have TV writer and college professor, as well as the writer and producer of Becoming Eddie, Ed Lee. Welcome on. <laughs> Hi, thanks for having us. Thank you guys for coming on. We're, uh, yeah, we're really excited to be talking to you guys today. We're, ex- we're excited to be here. Thanks so much. And- <laughs> um, go ahead. No, please. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we obviously loved uh, your short Becoming Eddie uh, and 
we wanted to know some of the behind the scenes. Uh, how did you guys meet and how did you guys decide to work together? Well, um, we knew each other through mutual friends for, uh, for a while. Um, through, and it's all through just sort of improv circles. I think the first time I saw Leland was at IO actually, um, in, at the bar. And then, uh, but we had a lot of mutual friends and I had also seen um, a lot of Leland and Wilder's sketches. So Leland's in a, in a Wilder sketch Wilder is my, uh, my best friend slash uh, writing comedy partner. Aww. Yeah. <laughs> so I knew that Leland and had had like some experience making sketches, you know, and directing comedy. Um, and then, you know, I was looking for someone to direct uh, because I just, I, I didn't want to direct, uh, <laughs> but I wanted to be able to sort of like get this, you know, I'd written the script, I brought Joyce, our producer on board. And um, then I was just trying to think of someone who was uh, able to direct comedy and also good with um, actors and particularly good with uh, children. And Lilan had just gotten, I mean, luck had it that Lilan had just finished Andy Mack. And I, we, I contacted Which our is a friend. kid's show for anybody who doesn't know. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, yeah, the first Asian uh, show on Disney Channel. So, uh, <laughs> and um, yeah, I, I really... Uh, I contacted uh, our mutual friend Courtney and I, I asked like, do you think Leland would be good at uh, like someone who could take this on? And, and Courtney just gave like the most emphatic yes ever. <laughs> and, uh, and then we start, you know, I sent the script to Leland and we started talking about it and I don't know, Leland, take it from there. Yeah, I mean, Ed, Ed took a chance on me. I, I hadn't directed something of this like scale and and, and uh, w with this amount of resources ever before. I've I've directed for um, freelance for Funny or Die with Wilder, um, but this was like a completely different experience. Um, but uh, but yeah, uh, I had just finished wrapping up the third season of Andy Mac, and uh, through my time on Andy Mac too. I mean, I really felt the importance of representation you know being part of disney channel's first asian american family show uh and and so it's it's been a constant theme my whole life right being in um or, or like in my hollywood career you know um and th that was the th these are the themes that were turning in my brain and then ed had this script about um feeling isolated and uh and the unique experience of what it's like to be the only like asian kid in your class and it was just like right perfect to where my brain was. And so I was really, really excited to to take it on and be able to work with Ed and yeah. Yeah, great. Is that what drew you to the script as a director? Is that- Yeah. Oh yeah, definitely. I mean, it's comedy. It's, uh, it's the themes that I care about. It had a lot of my personal feelings in it as well. Like, um, and I, I connected to it like in a very personal way. Um, what is it like when people think the food you eat is gross? You know, what is it, what is it like when you're like you're goaded into, um, doing things that don't feel right and feel offensive, but you get attention from it. You know, these are all very personal things to me. And then Ed's script had so much of my own brain in it. <laughs> <And> <laughs> my memories, my brain. <laughs> it was really funny because, you know, uh, Leland, 
I gave Leela on the script and she read it almost immediately. And then, you know, we got on the phone and I thought that I was going to have to like kind of lobby Leela. And, and then it turned into her kind of like lobbying me as well. So it was just like, it was kind of, we, I think we found out very quickly that it was a perfect fit. Wow. And uh, Ed, do you mind if I ask what your, uh, why you didn't want to direct? Well, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I suppose I could have, but I really wanted to concentrate on, uh, part of it was kind of running it, like I'm from television and I'm used to working from television and uh, just sort of like the nuts and bolts of directing were not necessarily my fortes. Um, Particularly like working with actors, like I'm, if anyone, you know, I've acted in stuff, but if anyone, you know, were to crit- give me a critique, it would probably be like a C minus actor. <laughs> so, um, and, you know, I just haven't had the t- spent the time to like work on that craft. And I think it's really um, crucial that a director be able to speak the language of the actor and be able to empathize and, you know, sort of show that, um, you know what it takes to access those emotions on set when there's an entire crew around you. And, um, you know, I, I just thought that it, the project would be better served if I found someone who was, would be like a great director. Mm-hmm. And that's part of, I think, what also made the, um, the, sh- the, you know, the short film really good is that I think no one really had an ego. Everything was about making the project better. It wasn't about like boosting ourselves. And, you know, uh, I was happy to give, um, to hand over like the, a lot of control to Lilan. Um, and the fact is, I, it was a dream partnership because Lilan also would, she, everything was about like trying to turn, like <laughs> she would say this, let's try to turn this A into an A plus. Mm. which is very Asian. Right? <laughs> 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 when we were, Nothing when we else were, will do. <laughs> yeah, we were, but when we were going through the rewrites of the scripts and, you know, we were sort of reimagining the opening scene. And, you know, I remember specifically talking about um, this scene where, you know, after uh, Yang, the lead character, um, is kind of like humiliated because no one showed up to his birthday party except for like his friend, um, his one friend. Um, but he just, you know, Lilan was kind of doing these sort of Jedi mind tricks on me to just sort of really access the feelings that, like, what did it feel like to get humiliated at school, but then to come home and have your parents not understand you? Um, and, you know, they, they, you know, my parents, I think, have these really specific pieces of advice, like, oh, you just go back and call them stupid head. <laughs> and, you know, and I was just like, I, I remember as a kid being like, no, that's not going to help me at all. So, but, you know, it's, it's a really frustrating feeling to have when you're a kid. So, um, so being able to turn those feelings into rewrites and into even just like minor adjustments of lines of dialogue. You know, it, it was really, um, it was really kind of a dream come true. Yeah. And Aww. did you know you wanted the director to be a fellow Asian American for that reason? Oh, yeah. I, it was really important to me to have a, you know, well, our, um, my producer, by the way, is also Asian American. 
Uh, and uh, it was really important to me have, to have a team of Asian Americans. And then, you know, the wider team was like mostly, you know, it was uh, over 50% BIPOC. Uh, for our crew. Our DP, and, our uh, second AD, our art designer. I, I mean, yeah, like, it, it, and you can director. feel it. It's like a big difference. Our casting director, yeah. I our think it makes a huge difference when you're, <laughs> oh my gosh, yeah. Like, the, the <laughs> yeah. The hits keep know, coming. Emily was, Emily was our, <laughs> Emily was our, uh, was our social media coordinator. <laughs> and thank you. <laughs> yes, thanks. <laughs> But like, I think it makes a huge difference, you know, um, when you have a team that um, like understands in the fiber of their, of their being what the film is, uh, is about, even if it's not like, I, I mean, like, you know, we're not a monolith, but like, if, if people have like frames of reference, I think it makes the work in the job that they are doing better and serve the whole project because everybody's just like a little bit subconsciously on the same page. And you know, I tried having a, a woman director also really, you know, it was pretty key. And I, I think that for me in my writing, you know, a lot of it has been kind of a journey because, you know, there's a lot of male gaze uh, happening in a lot of my earlier writing because I just didn't know any better. And I think the more that we can fit in this um, sort of, you know, multi-gendered perspective, um, you know, and get these, uh, particularly also like the film is, a lot of it is about masculinity um, and just sort of how we see ourselves as masculine, how we sort of idealize other people's masculinity and stuff like that. And I think it was really great to have Leland come in and pick that apart a little more from, from a woman's perspective. And was, it, was it a choice to set it uh, as a period piece rather than a modern telling of, of this story? Because kids these days, you know, they have shows like Andy Mack where they have a little bit better representation than say in the 80s. Yeah, I mean, it was, I, the choice was that it was my childhood. So, you know, it, the, um, it was based on uh, me as a kid. I grew up in the 80s. I'm a little older than Leland is. Uh, I'm actually significantly older than Leland is. Um, Leland's the youngest person ever. <laughs> then, I'm 19. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, it's, uh, there's also just this sort of time period and like sociologically what it meant when you know my dad emigrated to the u.s in 1966 and that's significant because there you know there were asian exclusion laws like happening until 1965 and then at the same time like social security and uh medicare and medicaid were all all passed and all of a sudden the u.s needed more doctors so you know the u.s you know, started basically importing doctors from Asia and India and Pakistan and like just, um, and that's why I think when I was a kid, I thought that every Asian person's parent was a doctor because in the US there were so many, like any of any Asian person I met, there was a really good chance that their parents were doctors. So, um, but what that also meant was that we were kind of pioneers. Like my brother and I were born at a time when there weren't a lot of 
Asian Americans, or there was like basically the first wave of Asian Americans, um, like on a on a big scale, who were being born inside the United States. Mm-hmm. So a lot of our teachers and a lot of our peers and a lot of our friends' parents and like they just didn't have any experience. Like we were still like so kind of new and foreign and novel and just like. They're like, yeah, we don't, like, all we know about those people is Bruce Lee, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. So, uh, or Kung Fu, which was not even an Asian person, right? So, you know, it's a, so I think that I was trying to capture some of that, but, you know, I think a lot of people can look at, at what we were dealing with back in the 80s mm-hmm. and look at it today and be like, all right, there's some similarities. Even though there's more representation, it's like there's still things that are universal for, you know, for example, just being seen as foreigners. Right, yeah. Um, Leilan, you are obviously a multi-hyphenate. Um, is, is there acting or directing, is there one form that feels like it gives you more control or empowerment in storytelling? Um, and is that something that's important to you, especially as a woman of color? Oh, I think definitely directing. I mean, my, my careers are in, my, my dual careers are in, in different stages where um, I, I feel like Becoming Eddie was the kickoff of a more professional directing career and, and it's provided me opportunities to um, then sense direct commercials and I'm gearing up to direct um, a, uh, a YouTube kids show uh, Ooh, this weekend. Cool. Yeah, which I'm really excited about. Um, and, and so uh, it, it's, it's great, but I'm, I'm still in like, uh, I'm in a different world than I am as an actor because I've been doing acting for like 10 years, you know, um, ish like, as professionally, you know, like I've been acting in high school plays, but that's a little different. Um, and uh, I, I mean, like I, I moved to Hollywood to become an actor and pursue acting. And I don't think that's something that's ever going to go away from me. Um, I love, I love live comedy too. And I do feel like I also have a lot of control in, in live comedy. Um, but as, as far as like being able to tell stories and stuff like that, I, I, it's so different, you know, as an actor, you, you really make yourself a vessel. You, you become what you, you became a, like, um, like the, the, the vessel for telling the story, you mm-hmm. know, like you serve the script and you serve the director and you, and you, and you serve, serve the project um, in a way that, um, that like, if you disagree with choices, you have to find a way that it makes sense for yourself, but it's not often a collaboration, right? Um, it, it can be, if you're really lucky, if you have a really open-minded director or writers or producers and stuff like that, it can be, um, but, being a director, I found I've got this whole new level of empowerment um, because people are listening to me, <laughs> you know, and instead of being told what to do, I'm telling people what to do. And that's, I think that's a really huge deal. And it's also like, it's, it's new territory for me too. Like as an actor, I never had to convince anybody I was an actor. Or, and, I, and when I am an actor, I don't have to convince people I am. They, they believe it. But being somewhat young, being a woman of color, and being a woman, mm-hmm. um, it, it's not something that I feel like is uh, is really uh, like on the surface, but it's something that I, I feel like subconsciously exists in me where it's like, 
I'm having meetings with people and I want to be able to command a certain amount of respect because it's not guaranteed, right? Um, or like when I, when I was directing um, commercials, these commercials had, had kids in them and I'd have had conversation with the parents. Um, I mean, like, oh, we're so excited to work with your kid because these kids were pretty young. And some of those parents would come back and find me and they said, I did not know I was talking to the director because I'm not technically what a quote director, quote unquote, might look like because there's less of us. Wow. Um, I'm curious, I know uh, that the Oscars has recently put out sort of some initiatives um, for inclusivity, one of them being having uh, more minorities in front of the camera. Do you think that is a insufficient solution or something that can lead to its own problems for the reasons that you just described? Yeah, I think, I mean, I'm, I'm never gonna say no to an effort to get more oh, people of color <laughs> anywhere. <laughs> You know, um, like uh, where, like where, the, where they don't, where they don't enjoy the benefits currently, right? Um, uh, but, but yes, I really do feel like in order to really be able to tell authentic stories of people of color, you have to have them making creative decisions. You have to. There's no other way to do it. Um, I, I, I mean, it, it just, I, and I think it. Should, shows in you you can you can look at media i'm not going to out any media but you can look at media where there's a largely person of color cast but then you realize that all the people behind the camera the producers the director the writers are all white right um it makes a difference um then when you like see media where the people who are making creative decisions can culturally speak to like can speak culturally to um from their experience and they can put that in the story i think it's huge 100% agree. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, uh, you can tell, I feel like always. <laughs> well, okay. So one thing we want to ask is uh, since there's a lot of good Asian American media out there right now. What do you think is the best or what's your favorite piece of Asian American media that is out there? Oh man. Um, uh, this is, I guess would be technically like South Asian. I, um, mm -hmm. uh, no, actually, no, it would be, I guess this would be African media because he's from Egypt. Um, so never mind. Uh, but, but like, I, I think a really good job of, of telling a story um, of like an immigrant, uh, like a child of immigrant experience is, is Rami. Yeah. Um, it, you, have you seen it? Yeah, and I also um, love the episode where there's a Japanese passenger in his mom's Uber service, and she ends up mm -hmm. being not racist, but it, um, I think it touched on a really good uh, inter-immigrant uh, uh, complexity. And I clocked it. Intersection, <laughs> In yeah. there, I was like, I know she's going to be the one that ends up, like, reporting her. Oh, yeah, I mean, definitely, like, that. Her, his mom is... is uh, like super complex and like does like have racial bias clearly you know um and at the same time you get to know her and you get to know her experience and so you just kind of understand all the layers that make up this person yeah like to be able to show that oh it's not just like i'm an immigrant that means i'm not racist <laughs> you know um but uh I, I just think rami is is just so great um in being able to describe like being a, a child of immigrants but i'd, I'd like to 
go back to like, oh, what is like Asian um, media that like I think is really awesome. Um, so it's it's not Asian media, but like it's something that I really connected to and um, really pulled from in uh, directing Becoming Eddie. But uh, Maya Erskine storyline in Pen Fifteen, mm -hmm. <laughs> um, I thought like, and I think as like um, I, I I'm gonna make some assumptions about uh, you both the hosts um, because we all happen to be half Asian, <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, where where like I I I'm I'm so. Uh, uh, I'm hungry, I'm starving for experiences that felt like mine. Mm -hmm. And Maya Erskine's, like, also, like, th like that's where, where, like, my generation is, right? And so that felt, like, the stories of her trying to um, navigate, like, what felt normal to her, but realizing it's, quote, uncool to her white classmates and, and trying to figure out how can she feel like herself, but also try to be cool as well was just so powerful and resonant so I mean like as far as storylines I really like that one um and then as far as like I, we we're talking about Asian American media but I've also been exploring um Asian media because I've been taking Chinese classes and so I've been looking out for shows um that uh where, where everybody speaks Chinese um and I've been looking out for movies too um that are all in Chinese too. Um, what I'm currently into is it's kind of fun. It's got like a very CW feel to it. I've just watched the first episode, um, but I'm getting into it is The Ghost Bride and it's on Netflix. Um, and it's really fun because it takes place in like ancient China. Um, so like the the scenery and the costumes are are like beautiful and, and really interesting. And so I've been exploring Asian media outside of just Asian American media. Awesome. Yeah, the um, I've I've been watching Kingdom as well on Netflix, or I, I binged it pretty quickly, which is a like Korean like eighteen hundreds um, zombie show, uh, which is uh, it's like The Crown, Ooh, it's The cool. Walking Dead, but in Korea, uh, which is pretty neat. Um, but oh my gosh, Ed, what's the name of that again? Kingdom. Yeah, it's 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 really neat. Um, and then, but yeah, I mean, there's a book called Minor Feelings um, by Kathy Park Hong, which is, uh, is, I mean, she, she actually had a, cause you know, Becoming Eddie is partially about like my love of Eddie Murphy. And she has a whole chapter where she talks about her love of Richard Pryor uh, and, you know, how much it sort of like affected her um, as a writer and, you know, as, as someone who, who's, who she, you know, tried stand-up comedy herself um and you know I, it, pen 15 is something i i absolutely um uh had a lot of identification with um but it's just nice to see more sort of representations of asians and koreans in media and you know like leon said i'm i'm also starved for more i was so excited for in um in uh uh lovecraft country Mm -hmm. where they had an entire episode that took place in Korea in, you know, during the Korean War. Mm -hmm. And it was, you know, it wasn't a perfect episode, but it was just sort of, you know, cool to see. I remember my, my uh, when I was growing up, actually, uh, my grandmother lived with us and she was, uh, she did not speak much English. But um, there was a show called MASH <laughs> that, you know, took place during the Korean War. 
and they almost never had any real Korean people in there. But every once, every like several episodes or a few, or maybe once a season, someone would speak Korean. And my grandmother got so excited that someone was speaking her language, right? Um, but it was, you know, anytime I saw something like that, I was like, oh, that person's like me. That's why I was, as I was saying before, before we started recording, like, I was so bummed to only find out after he passed away that Eddie Van Halen is half Asian. <laughs> I didn't know that either. I had to find out from my Twitter friends. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, thanks so much for being on. I mean, everybody should uh, follow you guys on social media, Becoming Eddie. You guys are in so many festivals. It's, it's always <laughs> great to see what you guys are up to and, and how the short is doing. Yeah. Our Instagram is uh, Becoming Eddie Film and our Twitter is Becoming Eddie. But um, yeah, follow us, see our journeys. Yeah. <laughs> it's is there really anything exciting. Else? Yeah. Is there anything else you guys would like to plug besides obviously this wonderful short? Um, I mean, just like I, I'm, every, all the podcasts I'm doing lately, I love to plug voting. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I would love, I would love to to be able to um, direct traffic toward um, not only my my Instagram, but voting. And if I direct you toward my Instagram, you will see posts about voting. <laughs> I, <laughs> it's so important. And also because like Asian American youth is the, um, like for whatever reason is like the least likely to vote, mm -hmm. um, like out of every other like, uh, group ethnic group so like please please guys gotta get out and vote <laughs> you gotta do it yeah yes absolutely we gotta vote <laughs> there's no question about it you heard it uh, here first. we're also at a bunch of film festivals we're at um la asian american film festival until the uh i think that's actually for the entire month uh we are at oh no it might only be until the 11th uh, we're at uh, LA Shorts, and this is all online. Uh, LA Shorts mm -hmm. Fest uh, until the 31st. Uh, on the 14th, we're at uh, Cam Fest Forward, which is uh, uh, the Center for Asian American Media. We'll be at Boston Asian American Film Festival later this month, uh, Portland Film Festival next week, uh, 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 Philadelphia Asian American Film Festival next month. We have so many Asian American Film Festivals, it's crazy. Um, and uh, we'll be at, uh, well, there are a couple we can't announce, so. <laughs> uh, but yeah, we, we, are, uh, we are in a lot of film festivals in October and November that we know of, so yeah. It's amazing. Look out for us. <laughs> Sweeping up. <laughs> well, thank you guys both so much for being on. We really appreciate your time and talking with us. Thank you so much. Thanks, Emily. Thanks, Nako. Take Bye. care. Bye. Bye. Thanks, you guys. Thanks for listening, everybody. Next week, we will be reviewing The Meg. Uh, it's really exciting that the AAIFF is going to have it as a selection, even though this movie came out two years ago so be sure to listen yeah we we hope that we get to do another interview hopefully with the meg herself yeah that would honestly be that would really pass the bechdel test <laughs> that would be good thanks guys uh yeah thanks bye bye <laughs>
Half Asian, half hour. Half Asian, half hour. Half Asian, half hour.